What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. This is Resistance in Residence, where we profile artists using their gifts to change the world. This week's feature is who I and many others refer to as the High Priestess of Oakland, the one and only songstress Jennifer Johns. What's happening, Jen? I am blessed and highly flavored. How are you, my sister? I'm doing great. Always better when I get to talk to you. It doesn't happen nearly enough, in my opinion. I know, I know. know. We're going to fix that this year, though. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) And just grateful for you coming on the show. Jen, I want to start with little Jennifer. I want Mm. you to talk to us about your childhood, where you grew up, what your home life was like, your parents. Mm. I am from East Oakland, California. Technically, I guess I was born in Berkeley at Alta Bates, which is on the other side of the street from Oakland. (laughs) So I'm an Oakland girl, born and bred, East Oakland. Um, Let's see, my my parents, my mother is an educator, um, uh, an administrator in education. My father is a builder of things. He's a mechanic. And uh, I get my voice from my dad. So some of my youngest memories are them leaving me in the bathtub and me singing and my father just being like, she's going to live. She'll, she will hear her because she will stop singing if she tries to drown. Like he's, I've been singing my whole <laughs> life. <laughs> so that has been, um, that, that's my youngest memories is sitting in a body of water and singing uh, with my dad. Um, and let's see, what else do you want to know about my childhood? This is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I want to know the type of environment that creates a Jennifer Johns mm. who is so committed to spreading love, right? Unapologetic about it. And um, who taught you, or when did you discover? that song was actually a mechanism for healing? Uh, this is actually a really good story. <laughs> I, um, You know me well enough to know how much I love We Are the World. Um, and it's like, when you listen back to that song now, there's so much love in it, but it's like, it's kind of corny. Um, but I remember being five years old and what gave me the courage to be who I am right now is really um, Love Center Church and my parents. Um, I had this really, really unique uh, life where I grew up living in East Oakland, but my mom was the associate director of admissions at Mills College, which is like an oasis right in the middle of East Oakland. Um, and my father worked for United Airlines, which meant that I could fly a lot. And so I had this socioeconomic status of everybody that was around me in the sense that, you know, my family was working class an educator and a mechanic, right? But their careers provided access that was uh, different than my community. And I felt like from that perspective, I was always told I had a foot in the haves and the have nots. Um, And then there was my church, which um, was a Christian church, and it was really like, I called him Uncle Donald. He could preach from the phone book. 
um, and he could find love in a can of paint and he could mm. teach you about it from, you know, here's the spoon and, and let me talk to you about the love in this spoon. Like he really, really invested in us. And uh, so I remember this one day I was five years old and We Are the World came on and it was Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones that had put it together. And I knew at five that they were like the most important thing that had ever happened. And so I decided to learn every sound of that song in that day. And I was going to perform it for my parents when they got home. And so I did <laughs> every sound. Mm -hmm. And I sing it for my parents in the kitchen on the corner of 66th and Avenal. I'll never, ever forget this moment. And my parents were both at once pleased and saddened because they were left with the responsibility to explain to me why this song was created. Mm. And I had to learn about hunger that day at five years old when I was on this incredible high from singing the song by two people that I thought were just divine incarnations of God for sure. And uh, so I go to church the next day and I start a mutiny amongst the children in love circles, which is the name of the youth group. And I was like, are you aware of this thing that the adults allowed to happen? Because at that age, I was really clear. I was like, these jokers have got it all the way messed up. Like, if I was in control, I would just back the plane down Haven's Court and take everybody's leftovers and fly it to the far off place called Africa. And then everybody could eat. We could have a party about it. I just don't get it. And to be really honest with you, I never lost that sense of like, I don't get it. And so what's great about when you foster the creativity of children is that there's a way that I had an arrested development that I'm so grateful for because it was there that my father said, well, what you gonna do about it? And I decided to do a sing-a-thon and I sang for 24 hours of my friends from Love Circles and we raised $10,000 and we sent it to Bishop Tutu and I learned that mm. I had agency. I learned that that music and that if I could use music, I could bring people together and chances are we could solve some things. And so that was, um, that's my origin story. I'll be it. Wow. Thanks, Kat. <laughs> <laughs> Get that on the website. <laughs> yeah, that's my origin story. That's when I became for lack of a better way of saying it, I guess an artist activist, an artist activist, artivist. Artivist, yes, yeah. yes. I love that word. It's how it's what I'm using mm. to talk about the work, uh, which is actually a good segue to another question. I mean, I, I guess you sort of answered it, but one mm. of the themes that we're exploring with the resistance and residence segment is the theme of art as resistance, mm. art as a tool for social change. And mm -hmm. what is the responsibility of artists? And, and I know what, that we always put so much on black people, mm -hmm. um, even mm -hmm. though we're one of the most oppressed peoples on the planet, mm -hmm. but particularly for those of us with platforms, mm -hmm. right? Where people are listening to our art or watching our art. What, what does that mean in terms of our responsibility? And how do we balance that with, yo, I need to put food in my refrigerator. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Well, I think that it's important that we begin to reframe, like the word becomes flesh and that's a real thing, right? And so more than resistance, I'm really about some insistence. Like I'm really about thinking about what is the world that I really want to create and then spending more time speaking to that. Um, 
And that's like a magnet, right? It brings to you the wealth and the access that, that you want to have because now you're activating people from a space of imagination, a space of levity, a space of possibility. People can see their agency more when you invite folks into an idea sphere, if you will. Um, and so I feel like for me as an activist, as an artist, um, and I think that every artist has got their own role in their own space, I just got to a place where I don't feel like it's my job to fight for freedom anymore. It's my job to be free in front of folks because I have a platform. It's, it's my job to be free for sure, um, but it's my job to be more vulnerable and allowing people to see what my freedom looks like really. Right. And if there's anything that I have done not well, it's been that I've been fighting for, for freedom in public, but I haven't necessarily always shown the spaces where I get my wounds mended. Who's doing that? You know, mm. who loves up on me? I'm not sharing that portion of my life or I haven't been up to this point. And so I think that the most powerful thing that an artist can do right now is open up our imagination around what love abundantly looks like and feels like and tastes like and smells like and creates environments where people feel disarmed to, to play in that as frequently as possible. And that is exactly what it's like to watch you perform. It is an invitation mm, to be free. Um, I mean, if you haven't seen Jen John's live, it is a otherworldly experience. And to that point, Jen John's, it's clear that you're a vessel. Man, I, I, I've watched you before, right? Get ready to get on stage. And I've seen um, like the transition start, right? In this process until you get on stage and, then, I mean, it's you, but it ain't. Can you talk about <laughs> being used as a vessel like that? What is what is that time like when you bouncing around on the stage and sweat pouring and dread shaking and just fully immersed in the message you're bringing to the people? You know, when I was younger, it was almost painful, if I'm being really honest. Because you, you're you're living in this world where you where you think that you have some control when mm -hmm. but you don't right mm -hmm. and at least for the type of thing that moves through me um, I my job is to be prepared to be a vessel and then give thanks that I get a front row seat to the show that's it that's that's really what it is you know it was when I was younger it was harder because I would want to control it. I would want to be able to be like, the show's gonna go like this, right? And I still struggle with the reality that um, that's, not my, that's not my journey in this life. <laughs> As an artist, it's just <laughs> my, you know, like it don't matter how much I try to pull together, whoop, whoop, and the such and such, we practice until we green in the face. But as soon as we get on the stage, I have to leave a lot of room for God to show up. And so at this point in my life, I just give thanks that I get to have a front row seat. There's a lot that I, in my cognitive mind, forget and miss from performing. So it's always great when people be like, oh my God, and then you did this thing. And I'm like, great. I hope you took it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been 
lucky to have a front row seat too. And I encourage as many people as possible to to take that seat, though you won't be sitting at all. By the by, that is a misnomer. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, you won't. For sure. <laughs> um. Well, you know, I'm gonna ask because I do every time mm. you bless me with your presence. Mm. Um, mm. I, I would love if you would grace us uh, with one of your songs. Mm. Do you mind if I sing the Negro National Every time I get ready to say Negro National Anthem, Kat, it just confuses me. It's the National Anthem. It's better hey, for everybody. I, it's yes. better for everybody. It don't know where yes. in the Negro National Anthem say nothing about being Black at all. So mm-hmm. I'm going to sing the National Anthem and I'm going to let the word become flesh because I believe that the Americas deserves a healing mantra anthem like this one. Um for us to move forward. So that's what I'm gonna do. Okay. Lift every voice and sing until earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmony. Harmony. Harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing arise, arise, arise. I as a listening skies, let it resound loud as the rolling. Sing a song, a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song, a song full of the hope that the present has has brought us. Facing the rising song this rising song of a new day be let us march on until victory Thank you, Jennifer Johns. Um, You know, you were singing and I was listening to those words. I mean, you know my politics and how I probably feel about national anthems, but... um, Mm -hmm. But gosh, you know, people people ask me a lot, you know, how do you keep going, right? Like you sit in so... I mean, well... You're one of those people <laughs> mm-hmm. right? that I sit in so much muck and yuck. Uh, how do you, how do you, because as you were saying, I'm listening to the words and I'm not going to lie at the same time, there was like this running tape of mm. all of the horrific things that are happening right mm, now, right? Mm, the the mm, end of reproductive mm. health care for women of color. Cause right. that's really what the end of Roe v. Wade means. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this this fool announcing he's going to run for president again. The fact that they that they've managed to establish a political force that is powerful enough to actually interrupt our you know electoral cycle, like whatever democracy we did have. Mm. Uh, the 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 fact that we're surpassing the body count here in Oakland, right? Mm. With intercommunal mm. violence. Like there's just mm. I, it was like literally as, as you were saying that was the video yeah. in my head, mm-hmm. and um. How do you do it? Because I know you said that says not you don't you don't you don't bury your head in the sound sand. Mm-mm. What what I sustains you? Like how do you? I don't bury my head in the sand. I do, though, monitor what I take in so as to be able to dream loudly. I believe in eternal life. And I believe that those who are um, committed to our oppression keep forgetting that we're seeds. And so, yes, in this life, I believe that we deserve to live. I believe that in my lifetime, the kind of living that we want to see is possible and probable. I choose to live in that inside of my mind. In order to create and achieve great success, you have to function in what feels like delusion in this plane, right? In order to function in this world, you have to be delusional to what seems rational here. So I am delusional enough to know that I know that I know that we will live life more abundantly in this lifetime. In my lifetime. I also know that this life is everlasting, that I am a divine incarnation of the most high. So I know that the physical flesh of me can go away, but what I do in this life, what light I bring to this life is what matters and it will be here forever. And so I focus my energy on that. And I know that if I can double down my energy right now in being uh wise enough to not subscribe to the delusion of this time, the, the, the madness, I don't know if I can curse on this thing, but like the, the wildness of this time is an outpicturing of bad ideas. So the most powerful thing I can do is have more ideas, live in those ideas. Let y'all watch me live in those ideas. Maybe you get disarmed and go, I kind of like this idea. And now let's, let's, let's create from that space. Let's build and manifest experiences and ideas that then lead us from that place. Because from that place, now we're going to create new technologies that are going to liberate. Now we're going to figure out better ways to grow food that require less water, but are going to create, put more moisture in the air and pull out carbon from the Mm. place where we feel generative and loved and capable, we will solve our problems. But from the space of feeling defeated, we cannot. That's the tool of the enemy. Mm. I could go on with you forever, but (laughs) alas, I've just got a couple of minutes left. So I want to use that couple of minutes with you talking about what you're working on. You got a show coming up. What's happening in the world of Jen Johns? 
Yes. Um, so I'm releasing a live album that I recorded at New Parish. It's called Jen John's Live at the New Parish. Um, I recorded it June 23rd, just days after the national ban on assembly was lifted um, at the New Parish. It was a really powerful show. So I'm releasing it um, at the fall equinox, September 23rd at the New Parish again, um, uh, alongside some dear friends, Damon Turner, Lalin St. Just, King Boo, Abel D. It's gonna be an incredible night um, with some incredible locally sourced vegan food. If you want some agency in changing your community, eat locally. That's another podcast, but we could talk about that later. So that's happening there. Um, and, uh, it's going to be a beautiful night and you can go to my website to get more information. Jen Johns, J E N N J O H N S.com. All right, Jen, I want to thank you so much for joining us, uh, on law and disorder. Thank you so much for having me, sis. I am always here for you. You are listening to Law and Disorder. I'm your host, Kat Brooks, and this has been Resistance in Residence with this week's feature songstress and healer, Jennifer Johns. Uh, check out the information about the new show. Uh, go to the new show uh, and get yourself some healing. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about our topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis. That's D-I-S. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>